0: why awe, a field guide to the wonders of life. Awe is a fundamental emotion. Albert Einstein really talked about it as the cradle of art and culture. The philosopher Plato really believed that awe and wonder are really the heart and source of knowledge. It really begins the process of inquiry through which we discover things. Awe is really the feeling of being in the presence of vast things that are mysterious and that transcend your momentary understanding of the world. So they're really about vastness and mystery. Wonder, which is a a common topic studied in philosophy, is really a mental state of curiosity that drives exploration, and it really follows experiences of awe. Very often, people feel during awe that they're encountering what they might call the divine. The American philosopher, William James, wrote a lot about how mystical law is really at the heart of religious experience or encounters with the divine. And he really defined very usefully, the divine is really something that transcends nature, the laws of biology and evolution that we think of as good and primary. About 15 years ago, my students at Berkeley and I started to study awe in every imaginable context. We've studied it in 30 countries. We've studied it in remote peoples, really starting to get a a pretty comprehensive picture of this. And I think that there are a couple of key findings that will disabuse you of certain notions that are really important to have at the outset. First of all, awe isn't rare. It's actually relatively common. We find people experience awe about two to three times a week. Pretty remarkable, right? And makes sense once you start to think about it. Secondly, you know the etymology of awe, which traces back to eighth and ninth century uh, Northern European roots uh, that really refer to fear and dread. That etymology gives us the sense that awe is is fearful and threatening. But in fact, about three quarters of experiences of awe worldwide today are positive. Some of the greatest delights that we can feel. Some important moments in the history of awe is uh, William James uh, wrote about the spiritual experience, like Paul on the road to Damascus, where you're just overwhelmed by encounters with the divine. And then very importantly, awe really transforms radically and moves out of the religious, thanks to a British philosopher who is Edmund Burke, who wrote about differentiating the beautiful from the sublime in 1757, And what Burke did is, for 1,500 years, awe was really a religious emotion. And it was the focus of mystical accounts like Julian of Norwich and others about encountering the divine and overwhelmed with transcendent feeling. And Burke took that experience and secularized it. And he really reduced awe to encounters with powerful things that are vague and obscure. And he talked about how you can have this experience with light and shadows and perceptions of natural objects and hearing the thunder. And he turned it into a psychological experience. We've now been working with this treasure trove of stories of awe. And what we've found is around the world, people find awe in, you know, eight, large sources. And, and there are many other sources as well that didn't quite occur with enough frequency to make this list. But this is a pretty comprehensive list. A deep source of awe is synchronization. And humans synchronize massively in walking and hunting. And current speculation suggests even making tools that were important to our evolution. We just sync up our movements. And in that moving in unison, we start to get, again, these precursors to awe a sense of sort of shared collective self. Other people, nature, very obviously. Collective effervescence, right? Dancing, sports, religious ceremony. Visual art, the visual world, design out in cities. Music, profound source of awe around the world. And poetry, a close relative. Very interestingly, it gets kind of surprising, at least from our standpoint. Big ideas give people awe, people suddenly thinking about the meaning of evolution, right? Or Marxism or free markets, suddenly you're struck with the power of those ideas. And then it caught us off guard, but the life cycle gives people awe. This would be obvious to people in indigenous society with so many rites and rituals around birth and death. It caught us off guard, how often people wrote about feeling awe at the birth of a child or watching a loved one die. So those are our eight wonders Here are a couple of the stories that we gathered from our study of 26 countries. This one was from Ireland, where a woman watches her daughter, who was born with bilateral clubfoot, dance in a ballet recital for the first time. She was filled with awe. I was in the audience with my mother. My little girl was dancing on stage. I'd been backstage with her, getting ready for the performance. While watching, I felt the beginning of tears and that my heart was going to explode. I had flashbacks of the time when she was born with her feet upside down and awestruck at how far she had come. There's a story that I love from Russia today that came out of our 26 culture study. Five years ago, collecting mushrooms in the forest, I bumped into an uncommon hole in the ground. Around it, all the trees stood in a circle as if gazing into the hole. And there's now remarkable scholarship around how awe-inspiring trees are, how they you know, communicate under their roots, they communicate neurochemically, they have a flow of water that pulses at night almost as if it has a heartbeat, how remarkable their nervous systems are, how complex they are as sources of awe in nature. Why should we care about this emotion? I actually think, if as we really confront the issues of the 21st century, awe may be one of our most powerful pathways to solutions. It starts with this appraisal of what's challenging and vast. You feel the emotion. It triggers this sort of vanishing of the self, which is common in experiences of awe and music and art and spirituality and collective movement and dance. And then it produces a bunch of outcomes, like you want to find out more information about the world. You engage in more kind of deliberative, complex, abstract processing of information. You start to cultivate a sense of community and transcendence and you become very charitable and other-oriented to promote the groups that you are part of. This is a, a famous quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, the American transcendentalist writing in the 19th century. He really found his purpose and his sense of meaning and his spirituality in nature. In the woods, we return to reason and faith. There I feel that nothing can befall me in life no disgrace, no calamity that nature cannot repair. Standing on the bare ground, my head bathed by the blithe air and uplifted in the infinite space, all mean egotism vanishes." Uh, And then he talks about this universal being circulating through him and just feeling a sense of common humanity with people around him. Ralph Waldo Emerson really felt our all experiences in nature unlocked some of the deeper operations of our mind that went out in nature if you see clouds you get a sense of the impermanence of things you understand part whole relationships right when you see waves as part of an ocean you understand are there parts to holes you understand the mathematical properties of symmetry and seeing the symmetry of the design or or you see understand the mathematical properties of fractals that forms recapitulate as in mountains So our experiences with nature are deep in their conceptual implications and as a source of all. The benefits of being in nature are profound for healthy minds and bodies. I feel there's almost nothing you can do that is better for your state of mind and your body than a regular time outdoors. Walking in the woods reduces the stress hormone cortisol, reduces inflammation, your heart looks stronger in its basic metrics You're able to attend to things better, less depression, uh, and the like. So much power in nature. These experiences of awe quiet the ego or the default self, which is pretty remarkable. Um, There's a whole genre in literary studies of how when we encounter ideas in literature, we have these epiphanies, right, of, wow, all of life ends up in death or, or it ends up in a kind of ironic twist of fate. And how we are starting to think about this is that awe really unleashes what we call systems thinking. Awe leads us to one of these great achievements in intellectual thought, which is to see big patterns and to make sense of the world through systems. I believe the study of awe, be it through whatever discipline or personal form of inquiry that you engage in, Really allows us to encounter some of the great mysteries of life. Sparks is produced by Unboxed and brought to you by the RSA. To find out more about RSA Fellowship and our Design for Life mission, visit thersa.org.